Hello, welcome to Starter Set. My name is Ed. And my name's Sam. And uh, today we are kicking off our race conversation, which sounds, now that I've said it out loud, way worse than it actually is. It sounds good, man. It sounds fine. Wicked. We're talking about dwarves, so it's going to be a short one today. Oh. That's a bad, that's a bad, bad pun. pun. I mean, bad I pun. love it. I do love it. And I will probably use it every single time that I refer to these sort of points. But hey, carry on. It is what it is. Yeah. So today's the first show. As we said in the last show, we're going to be breaking down each race. We're going to go proper deep cuts on just about everything you need to make up your mind about who you want to play in this world that is totally at the mercy of your DM, your dungeon master's imagination. Yeah, so you're going to talk about dwarves. Um, All of this stuff is kind of just ideas that you can obviously bounce off whatever you want to do with, hey, if you're thinking, hey, I want to play a dwarf because they sound cool. Mm -hmm. I like Gimli. Wicked. Go for it, guys. Son of Gloin. It's all good. Exactly. It's all good. Respect. Now, uh, there is one thing that I want to bring up before we get into it. Obviously, this is a relatively new podcast, guys. And uh, we're both wrecked. (laughs) All right. We're going to own that. Why not? Uh, But we are trying to figure out how the way we want to present this to you guys and what's the best way for you. And part of that is we've kind of stumbled across uh, a bit of a backing track um, in the way that we want to run these these sessions. Mm -hmm. Hey, if you don't like it, tell us. We'll probably change it. To be fair, we might not. Up to you. Well, no, it's not up to you. It's up to us. Leave us one star and five star reviews wherever we get this online. Exactly. Um, So as you can tell, we've got some uh, interesting hip hop old school Mellow jams going on underneath us. Um, Shout out to Yondo Beats who did the intro music. Yeah, it's cool stuff actually. It's I'm, really good stuff. I'm really impressed. I've got a musical background. Um, I'm sure eventually from all of the little little tidbits of my life that I drop in these podcasts, you'll be able to know exactly where I live, my credit card number, and easily be able to forge my identity. The second number is four. Brilliant. I mean, they're now one sixth of the way there. There you go. Uh, Should we get on to dwarves? Let's go on to dwarves, man. So, what do dwarves represent in the Dungeons and Dragons world? Okay, so. Because I feel like they're always the butt of jokes. They're hardy warriors, but everyone laughs at them. Yeah, you've kind of smashed it. I'm going to be completely honest. Um, let's go. I'm going to go into their mechanical vibes. So, Ooh. how they work from a mechanical point of view. From a dice rolling, what are you best at? How do you operate? What point do you sit in the team? Because let's be honest, Dungeons and Dragons is is a collective team of elves, dwarves, humans, tieflings, all the sort of weird things that you can find in the world, halflings. So if you're a dwarf, what are you classically good at? I think okay. a lot of people will know that dwarves are good at building stuff from things like Skyrim, maybe Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that, that's pretty good. And and, uh, and like <clears throat> a good starting point uh, from the actual things that they get a little boost on is they get a boost on a thing called stone cutting. Uh, Is that what it says on the tin? Pretty much. If you So when you come upon any sort of stonework, any stone that is made in the world, you get an advantage on the check, uh, the history check, to figure out what's made this stone. Whoa. So, hey, here's an old school temple. All right, I'm a dwarf. I'm going to use my stone cutting skill and figure out what persons maybe built this temple or how old is this temple or if it's a bridge... How much weight can this bridge bear? Which is obviously quite you tasty. Have a caravan. Yeah, exactly. Or any kind of transport, or like a load of orcs with you. Yeah, or hey, even better. Lead the orcs over, have the bridge break. Exactly. They fall into the river. Exactly, you beat me to it. So um, I'm being pursued by orcs, and mm-hmm. I need to need to cut this bridge exactly at the right point. Brilliant. 
Do a stone cutting check. Those dwarves have got it down. Ultimately. That's such a... It strikes me as like a skill you'd only use once, but it would definitely save your life. Yeah. It's the point where... Um, so you've been playing for like three months, mm-hmm. and everybody's around mm-hmm. the table going, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. And then suddenly the dwarf character goes, I'm going to use my stone cutting check. And, it, and, it, and <laughs> silence falls upon the table. Everybody looks at you, and they all go, oh my god, that is a brilliant idea. It's a real sonic screwdriver moment. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is... Amazing, obviously, from that point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, mechanically as well. So they are... So dwarves themselves are split into... And, and I'm, I'm being pretty broad here in terms of what's in the player's handbook and Dungeons and & Dragons and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They're split into three sub-races, right? Jesus, okay. Yeah. Uh, hill dwarves, mountain dwarves, and Duragar. Huh. Yeah. Uh, which so I you may... get the option to pick from one of these when you make your character. Obviously. Yeah, very much so. Okay. Okay. And each sort of subclass lends themselves to a certain uh, class that they should play. Uh, For instance, mountain dwarves, you're looking at fighters, barbarians, and monks. Kind of like orcs in Skyrim, sounds like. (coughs) Yeah, uh, yeah. So so, um, they always get a boost to constitution, categorically. No matter what what subclass you are, you've always got a plus two uh, boost to your constitution, which means that you're... Quite stocky. Yeah, which means you're hardy, you've got more hit points. Mm. So you can throw a dwarf at a thing and know that they're going to be able to take it, ultimately, because they've mm. got the amount of hit points to deal with it. Um, a mountain dwarf also gets a boost to its strength, which means that when it comes to fighters, and obviously if you're dealing with um, an archery-based fighter or an archery-based sort of individual, this might apply. But if it's a close combat fighter, monk, um, you're looking at basically a real beefy ass character they can take a lot of damage and then boy can they deal it out quickly and mm. and in, in effectiveness they got really good chins oh yeah yeah mm. okay. so mountain dwarves mechanically that's that's kind of the way you want to run um i've also mentioned barbarians there because hey they've got the constitution so they can really soak up the damage and nine times out of ten you're going to be smashing it out with a war hammer or an axe or a battle axe like a two-handed blunt force object oh yeah you've just got the power to Exactly. People. Exactly. So you can just smash out whatever you want to do, kind of point. Hmm. Um, so they're 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 pretty solid. That's the mounted dwarf subclass or subspecies, sub race, whatever you want to call it, of the dwarven race. Hmm. You've then also got the hill dwarfs, um, which they themselves make great clerics, rangers. Wait, what? A dwarf ranger? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. This okay. So this is kind a of range like, a like super willowy human, <coughs> red guardy kind of dude. Sure, but give a dwarf a crossbow. Ooh. Also, you're a ranger. What sort of terrain are you a ranger in? We're in hills and valleys, mountains, and dwarves keep low below that grass line. Yeah. Think about that for a minute. How tall are dwarves? Like three foot? Something, uh, something like, like, like four, I'd say four foot, like four and a half feet, that sort of point. It does depend on which huh. subspecies you can take, but they are, they, you know, they are short, but they're not as short as you would expect. It's probably the best way to say it. Because we have a dwarf in the, uh, in the Thunder Squad, in the party that I'm playing with Ed as Dungeon Master, and I'm playing him in my mind like he's like three foot. No, dude, he's a halfling. Ah, that's that's taken that side. Yeah, Henry, big up to Henry, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's playing a halfling ranger, not a dwarf. Yeah, huh? So he's like a hobbit. Yeah, he's a he's a hobbit ranger. So he's like what four five, four he's, foot five. He's short, three foot something. 
Right, so I had it yeah. right in my head. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so from 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 the conversations that we've had in the game, don't judge me. We're only two sessions on. in. Yeah, two sessions, whatever. You guys will figure it out. I'm sure you've played some Dungeons and Dragons and already buggered up the the heights of people and whatever. Doesn't mm. matter. You forget it. But no, as a dwarf, I mean, you're stocky, but also you put a dwarf beastmaster, um, which is a subclass of of the the class. We're going to go into rangers later on. We'll figure it out. But ultimately. Chuck a dwarf beastmaster who is who's all about mountains and those kind of areas, and they've got a they've got a friend who's a boar, who kind mm. of represents that sort of stubbornness, right? Yeah. Which is typically dwarfish, and they get a boost to wisdom, mm -hmm. which is the spellcasting modifier for all the ranger spells, and also the reason why they're good as um, clerics because mm -hmm. they get a boost there as well. Okay. Um, they're pretty solid. They can take a lot of damage. So it means that you're you're going to be able to stick around to heal everybody as a as a heart as right. a um, because as a cleric you'd have that healing ability. Yes. Right. Okay. So you can stick around and go, hey, you've taken some damage. That's cool. I can take this. You take some health back. Right. Okay. As a ranger, you know you can you can be the guy that, that scouts out the dungeons. There is a reason why this is called Dungeons and Dragons. Because you could see, a lot of... you could see attacking forces off in the distance. Oh as yeah, well. yeah, exactly. Hmm. A lot of this stuff is done underground in dungeons in areas where you can't necessarily see that well. Which is another advantage of being a dwarf is they have dark vision. Dark night vision. Bang on, man. Bang on. Um, they're slower than most, so their speed is actually only 25 feet, which gives you a 5 foot disadvantage to pretty much most other characters who are full speed, simply because of the short legs. Mm -hmm. uh, does that come into play that often? It Maybe. does when you're playing. A th In our third session, we're about to go into a jungle, and Ed has laid down that we have a map of the jungle that has hexagons on it, and it's you can move one of those every three hours. But if you were all dwarves, maybe it would be every, it would be one of those every five hours, something like that. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I'd, I'd certainly hmm. run it on that point if you were all running dwarves and that. But there's also the point where. But why why would you be all dwarves? That's silliness. Yeah, there is that. Oh, that's and... reindeer game. <laughs> exactly, and I don't want to be a dick. I don't want to be like, hey, you one dwarf character, everybody leaves you behind. Yeah. That'd be awful. So yeah. you know, you figure it out. Um. They're resistant to poison and taking poison damage. Like Argonians. Yep. Sorry, I'm speaking a lot in Skyrim. No, yeah, that's great. Right Skyrim, we're going to get into like like uh, points later on where dwarves are actually featured in popular culture in other areas. So mm -hmm. well, that's great for that sort of point. Even though they're not. We're getting on sideways. I'll, we'll come back to that, but put a pin in it. Um, yeah, they're resistant to poison damage and taking poison, which is just the basically... Um, the representation of hey we are a hardy race right yeah we can take whatever you throw at us mm -hmm. fuck you because they're all over white like yeah but you with, see dwarves, with they're stockiness eyes and stuff yeah with stockiness it's not like fat it's just like yeah. I'm just a big dude yeah <coughs> but you're not a big dude but you are kind of a big dude yeah exactly you, hmm. you get it right they're more sideways than upways Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, they're proficient in uh, a few tools, which is quite interesting. Which is typically, and, and dwarves do suffer from a stereotype, but the, hey, the tools that they tend to be proficient in from the player's handbook is brewer's kits. Making beer. Yep, and smithing kits. Making weapons. Bang on. And armour. Yes, obviously. So all those kind of points they all bring together. Oh, the other side thing as well, as a class, they also make weirdly good druids. Huh. Yeah, which is 
which is interesting because it's not something you, you bring with it but then again if you kind of go along that hang on dwarves stonework mountains hmm. and you make it a druid who's like fully invested with the like the roots of the mountain or the roots of the the earth and and feels deep into the ground itself and that's where he gets his powers from that kind of becomes a little bit more of a uh, a selling point to your character i suppose as a dwarf hmm. so that's sort of mechanically the interesting things and in how they all run together uh from the mountain and the hill dwarfs the duragar now Right. Part this is of, the third subspecies. Yeah. Sub, sub race, this this is going to be a bit more interesting because these guys have a bit more of a cultural background to the reason why their mechanical elements exist. Hmm. So, hold on to your hats. Uh, Duragar are typically featured as the natural enemy of the dwarves because they are evil dwarves. And I'm using that in a bracket. Uh, you guys can't see that. I'm doing air quotations for evil dwarves. Um, but they've got grey skin, like white wispy beards. Ultimately, they are they're a dwarven clan or a collection of dwarven clans, dependent on your dungeon master as well. I should say your dungeon master may have a completely different reason why these guys exist. But in the player's handbook, they are driven underground, enslaved uh, for like centuries by um, a other dwarves. No, not by other dwarves, by a <coughs> race called Mind Flayers. Mind flayers from Stranger Things too. Yeah, exactly. Which, which is, which is where they sort of appear in popular culture. Those big things that take the, the thing that takes over Will Byers. Yes. Right. So they're massive, though, right? Yes. In in that they very much are. Um, well, this is as big as the school, right? Yes. It's like a huge thing. Let's let's roll it back for a second because that they're a good example of the way that mind flayers communicate with themselves. So imagine if I see something. And then you immediately see see the thing that I've seen. Mm. Okay, so we're talking about in connectivity, web of thoughts and thought processes, all basically delivered by this one hub. Like a hive mind. Hive mind is perfect. Um, it's typically referred to as the elder brain. Yeah, I'm dropping bombs. Ooh. They're, they're, they're a cool bad guy, I'm not going to lie. Um, mind flayers, or mm. if you're going to go into the deep cuts of D&D, they're also known as illithids. Right. Yep. Uh, think of a human yeah. who is made of uh, like octopus sort of skin. Um, right. And then instead of a... Well, not instead of a head. You have a head, but you don't have a mouth. You have um, a beak. And then you have tentacles like around... Like a squid. Yes. Exactly. Beach, oh, right? do you know what? As popular culture, who's the best example of this? Davy Jones. Davy Jones. Bill Nye from the Pirates movies. Yes, sir. That's what he does. That's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bill turned down. He does all that sort of stuff. He does. So he is a great example of what a mind flayer looks like. Lots of tentacles. He has a real mouth, but basically, mind flayers below their tentacles have ultimately like imagine a corkscrew that is designed specifically to drill into your brain eat your brain and then just pop back out again whoa yeah uh, and basically mind flayers took over uh, surface dwarves or the dwarves that, that went below ground and sort of encountered in them and subjugated them to such a point that they became their slaves for millennia right a long time right this gave us the Duragar they are a race who eventually broke free of their yoke of slavery from the Mind Flayers. Mm -hmm. 
they uh, and part of that gives them specific abilities and they basically hate their other dwarven clans why because they didn't get the same jip as they did that's fair yeah right so I've been through centuries of subjugation and bullshit but I still believe in the same sort of things that bring dwarfish culture together you know like great smithing and great mm. whatever but I haven't had a chance to do it like, that right. would suck they're the Kimmy Schmidt of dwarves sure so they do get some cool advantages however I bet they're immune to tons of shit Exactly, you, you know, you're bang on that point. So they have superior dark vision, which basically means they've got like super night vision underground. Because underground. Exactly. Um, they have a. They automatically have the ability to speak under common. What's under common? It's the language that is spoken by uh, races that are typically underground. Um, they like Hebrew. They say that was the language of the slaves because the slaves built the pyramids. Oh, okay, sure. Okay, that's a. I didn't Originally. get where you were coming from, but yeah. that's a perfect way of saying it. Yeah. Um, yes and no. Um, basically, undercommon is the conversational language of the subterranean species, and we're talking Duragar, Drow, and Zerfnebli. Um, okay. They, these are. I'm dropping some deep stuff. Are they baddies. They're not necessarily baddies. Right. Um, Zerfnebli definitely not. They are basically underground gnomes, and the drow. I know we get. We'll get into that when we do our gnome session. And the drow themselves, they are um, bad, and I'm doing air quotes again because the most famous drow itself isn't a bad guy, but they are. They're evil elves. Right. Okay. Okay. You live underground. So basically, as far as Dungeons and Dragons is concerned, and the player's handbook is concerned, live underground you're probably going to be evil. Yeah, or at least have those tendencies. Exactly. Um, now, the Juragar, they get some great stuff. They get advantage on saving throws against various magical effects because they've had so many magical effects done to them in the past. Right. They eventually learn to, you know, break free. Yeah. Um, they've got natural, natural magical abilities. Such as... Uh, for instance, for a dwarf, they can uh, actually cast enlarge on themselves. They can make themselves normal-sized. Yeah, they can. Well, not even normal size, like kind of bigger than normal, sort of seven foot dwarves. So if you imagine how stocky a dwarf is naturally, mm. then make that dwarf seven foot high. Terrifying, like a baby giant. Yeah, exactly. Just like, hey, what's up? I've got a giant hammer. You fucked. Boom. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, for sure. So that's that's kind of the three sub races of dwarves, right? Mm -hmm. Hill, mountain, and Duragar. The, the one thing is with Durogar, obviously you've always got that kind of inherently evil vibe, so when you're playing them, you've got to kind of overcome this everybody else thinks you're probably going to be a dick. Hmm. Which, uh, as a DM... Does that drag you down as a player? Everyone's always suspicious of you. So I that mean, drags the story in a certain way. It can do. Okay. But if you're aware of that and you're like, that's okay, hmm. great, you're going to have a great time. If you choose this sort of subspecies which typically has a negative connotation about themselves and you're not thinking like, hey, people aren't going to be basically racist to you, um, you're, you're going to be in for a big shock. Because, hmm. yeah, exactly. Every I'm, single negotiation is that little bit harder. Exactly. Every single right. thing that you do and you're trying to achieve is always going to be marred by... Um, and, hey, like... Dungeons and Dragons is a great way to explore 
um, race and how that actually affects people. If you're, you know, if you're as, as we are, as we are lucky to be uh, a middle class white guys, and you have no idea about sort of the subjugation of of stuff that's happened in Other history. Peoples. Yeah, um, and not necessarily want to explore it because that's kind of really downplaying it but if you want to explore and kind of get a sense to so you so you know and understand the feeling of that just even a tiny bit because it does suck i've played i've played characters like that and and as soon as you walk into a place and people go like you're not allowed in our bar you're like oh fucking shit that sucks and it's and, and i apologize guys if you're looking for a light-hearted podcast mm. because this part of it is getting a pretty deep but it's something true that, though yeah it is um, and it's and it is really good for exploring that stuff without potentially being offensive hmm I think is the best way to put it no I understand that yeah so let's bring it back around again because uh, we got deep there bring the mood up bring yeah the mood bring up. the mood up so culturally let's talk about how dwarves operate culturally in terms of our expectations of a dwarfish culture, because they do have a stereotype. Um, which Gimli, is, I think, is the fucking stereotype. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So Tolkien, hey, he brought loads of stuff to light. Tolkien and, was also super racist, though. Yeah, I mean, he's also generated in an in a environment which is... I'm trying to get away from the racist, man. Sorry, man. That's okay, don't worry. But he was generated in, in an area where, um, you know, that stuff was still he very was much not right. fond of the Jews. Cool. From what I've heard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, dwarves. Yeah. Culturally, let's get into that. Try and do, or try and create a dwarfish race that isn't typically Gaelic. Or yeah, Scottish. Yes. Or, I mean, obviously Gaelic covers those Scottish and Irish and sort of... Celtic. Celtic, Welsh, that kind of vibe. Mm. Um, I mean, we're, we're really lucky Big that, beards. Yeah, big beards. Oh, what are you about? What do you think you're doing? Strong, bullish accents. Exactly. And also, part of that is strong, bullish attitudes as well. Uh, yeah. Oh, you wish to have a little fight with me? I'll fucking throw myself straight in there! Yeah. You know, um, kind of characters. Which, great. Do you know what? Sometimes they're needed. Hmm. Because Dungeons & Dragons is sort of full with tripwires of conversations and traps when you're talking into dungeons. And you, you'll probably have in your head as a as a person, as a player, you're going, yeah, this 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 un you know unobvious uh, tunnel with slightly raised platforms throughout, mm-hmm. definitely a trap. Yeah. But as a dwarfish character, you're going, fuck it, I'm gonna get myself a wee bad guy at this bad end. Unless you do a stun check. Yeah, unless you obviously do the stone cutting check, which obviously gives you an indication. But every team needs a guy who's willing to throw himself on the trip. Because wire. it just provokes a reaction within the situation. Exactly, exactly. Hmm. It, it, you know, sometimes players can get slowed down with the "I'm a clever person, I'm going to check everything." I've got to try and outthink the dungeon master, which yeah. you won't ever do, really. I mean, you can do, and congratulations if you do. Fair, the fair the point. points where I've gone like holy shit and like great job guys, is when they've done that. Um, <laughs> but so in terms of how they work and the stereotype, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But if you want to do something interesting with dwarves, and if you're a dungeon master as well, or if you're if you're a player who has um, control over the way you want to represent dwarves in this home world that you're playing with your dungeon master, 
Try and think of something out of the ordinary, right? So try and think of something that isn't the generic sculpt, uh, the generic culture of that Scottish-Irish sort of vibe. Who are obsessed with gold? Mm. They've got short tempers, uh, that kind of thing. Big mustaches. Yeah, um, I mean something that could be interesting, maybe. And I'm I'm trying to think of like stuff that's good cross conversion between that and cultures that we've seen in our world. Mm. Uh, Roman is great. Hmm. Because they're so another thing that dwarves are kind of obsessed with is culture and their clan, right? Yeah. So I'm doing this for clan. I'm his son, and he was, you know, his grandfather yeah. was X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So a standard point is probably the Gresswick, the or a standard uh, historical point to come from is sort of medieval England of I am. Yeah. Archibald. Or Sullivan. Nordic. Or Nordic, exactly. I mean, mm. Nordic is obviously a classic one. Great big beers, like drinking, brilliant. Um, think of it from a different side. Uh, as I mentioned, what did I say again? Romans. Roman. Yes, Romans. <laughs> you fell into that. I did. Romans themselves. Or Spartans. Or Spartans. Those warrior clans. Yeah, exactly. Who? They're all about their deeds in battle. Um, actually, looking after their families. And if and if we remember, what would be more interesting than exploring a, a dwarfish culture, which is so obsessed with their clans? Mm. that they don't and this is the reason why they stick around to themselves because that is typically another dwarfish thing is because they're so preoccupied with vying for power between their different clans mm. you know uh, clan battle hammer is better than clan stone shield because X right okay and they're always vying for uh, we want to be the tippity top yeah of whatever but in animal olympics guys move on up get some real power yeah, Animal Olympics. Yeah, you've got to, I can't stop there. You've got to take me through more with that one. Animal Olympics is what I say. Like, like people who've listened to this podcast but also follow uh, the French league. I say that's like Animal Olympics. Like, it is a league, but the competition is so different that even if you win, it doesn't really matter. Okay, kind of like right. a kangaroo court, but within sports. Sure. Okay, that makes sense. One-upmanship. Yeah. yeah. So the dwarves are so obsessed with their like kind of internal struggle. But it doesn't don't... matter because they're always going to be subjugated. Exactly. The French yeah. league will always be considered the fifth in the big five leagues. Right. I, I understand now. Me and sports don't get on. Sam knows his sports stuff. <laughs> That's cool. Kind of sport is. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to explore dwarvish culture, which is interesting. Um, and long-standing grudges and clans and that kind of thing. Um, I thoroughly suggest you actually look at the honor system. Hmm. Which is something that I'm dropping on you, like, fresh. Is that like the dwarvish, dwarvish code of conduct? Kind of. And this is what I would encourage any dwarvish player to do. Draw out what you would consider. Like a family tree. Specifically one... Okay, great even better you're going up and beyond but hey it's literally like what do I believe in you know what is bad honour what's good honour don't you know fight only people who are well armed uh, <laughs> don't you know don't fight but doesn't that clash against the player's intuition oh yeah definitely but you reward them for that so basically what you can do is they're in uh, the Dungeon Master's Guide which is separate to the player's handbook on page 264 there's an element which talks about an honor system, which basically gives you a uh, one, two, three, four, five, a sixth ability score. So we right. talked about ability scores in the in the first episode: strength, dexterity, constitution, 
wisdom and intelligence. I'm sure I'm forgetting one. Charisma. There you go. I've also said sixth here, so I'm going to say there's a seventh ability score. Yeah. Which you can put in, which is your honor ability score. Mm -hmm. So if you chuck that on a dwarf, and you say, hey, dwarfs, only dwarfs, none of your other players get this ability score. Only dwarves get the honor system. So only dwarves can say, I'm going to use my honor bonus on this. Then that drives them more to kind of this, I'm going to uphold my clan's honor. Right, okay. You want a dwarf to be super dwarfy, give them the honor system and kind of talk to them about, or if you are wanting to play a dwarf, talk to your dungeon master about what that honor system looks like. What is honorable to dwarf culture? And more importantly, the lineage that you should have sketched out for your own dwarf. Exactly, exactly. Which is awesome, basically. Yeah. Gives you a great way of playing an it excellent It almost makes dwarf. you a little bit of a dungeon master yourself, because you've said, well, you've got this world, but here's my history, and it's the history I'm sticking to, so you, you the dungeon master, have to work it into this world. Oh yeah, categorically, if you want a good, if you want a good, brilliant, engaging game, you should definitely be doing that as a player. Mm. You should be creating your own backstory and, and kind of and talking with your dungeon master before game. This is before you start because you might accidentally chuck something in which completely breaks their story. But you should you should be giving them ability to kind By of. By the way, I eat magic. <laughs> sure, exactly, which is a terrible <laughs> idea. Um, but you're giving them something which gives them the ability to kind of just really anchor your player mm. or your character in that world. Yeah, I get that. Which is cool. Cool. So um, we've gone into we've gone into a little bit of dwarves, and from that back end of that kind of like the cultural vibe. The other thing as well, um, which I think is quite an interesting way to explore dwarves, uh, is Mongolian. Like the Khans. Like the Khans. Ooh. Yeah. You can probably only do it with hill dwarves because they're not underground. They're obviously yeah. traveling all in over the, the place. Hills, I guess. Yeah. Unless unless you you've got a really subterranean based system in your campaign great brilliant yeah kudos to your dungeon master if he thinks that far ahead yeah exactly i mean i i haven't done that specifically myself i've literally just stolen all the stuff from other areas but hey you you don't know that as a player it's bloody good brilliant <laughs> um but the mongolian kind of like family above everything else but still moving around that's also a great way of doing things but they've got a good honor system in terms of the way they deal with battle and their prowess in battle yeah can they ride horses as well? If they're like cons. I mean, anybody can ride horses. It's just. It's true. Yeah. It's when just... you're right, you're right, Ed. When you're right, you're right. It's based on your animal handling context. Context. Ability checks. Yeah. Hmm. There you Interesting. go. Um, so that's kind of like the way that you would deal with them culturally. And off the back end of that, let's go into some of the dwarves that we see in popular culture because I think they're great way, great examples of. Uh, and I want you to throw uh, kind of a few at me, and we'll. Well, the first one, obviously, I don't watch the show, and I, I confess I thought it was pretty silly the first time I saw it. But Game of Thrones, there's uh, Tyrion Lannister. He's a dwarf, right? Cool. Like a tiefling type sized kind of guy uh, I mean uh, what they call halfling sorry oh, cool yeah he's excellent. a halfling so he's a dwarf but he's not portrayed as official stupid in fact from what I understand of the show he's like the genius he's the hero of the piece 
right? Yeah. He's super clever. He's always one step ahead of everyone else. Yeah, exactly. And the, and the great sorry, thing... Sorry, I don't watch it. I'm sorry if I messed that up. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, and we've, we've had this conversation before off camera. You, These should be your best friends, these shows. And you just haven't got behind it, have One you? dude got off a horse, went into a tent, and went, Hey up, Ned, where's the army? And I was like, "Isn't shouldn't this be Middle Earth or some shit? <laughs> what are we doing? Oh, that's Reindeer Games. Yeah, that's fine. And it just lost me. And it then, hasn't stuck with you. And then 10 years later, I saw the Battle of the Bastards and was like, oh, that's what 12 million pounds an episode looks like. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, admittedly, the Battle of the Bastards is a great episode. But Tyrion... When he does the bloke with the bow and arrow from like a mile away. Yeah. It's good, isn't it? And yeah. I'm like, run, dude, run! Thump! No. Oh. Gets done. I don't know who he was, but... I've got flashbacks because I know the... the, the... You know the context. Yeah, though, exactly. Right? But it's okay. Hmm. So yeah, him, Tyrion... Tyrion. Uh, Lannister. Great. Stark? Lannister? Lannister. Right, cool. Tyrion is a great example of a, uh, a dwarvish bard. Which is off... Because he's good with the pitter power. Yeah, exactly. He can talk his way out of situations. And it's very mm. off-kilter. Right. Why did I know things? Yeah, That's it's one not... Thing he says. It's not about his thing. He also says... Uh, and this is my favourite quote out of Tyrion, which is first first series, uh, which is when he's ordering breakfast. Mm. And he says, I'll have bacon burnt black and a dark beer. I mean, what a great way to start the day. <laughs> you know? Fair play. I know. I mean, it's way out there. Nobody likes their probably, bacon done, yeah, done burnt black. Probably doing his cholesterol no good. No. Hey, man. It's wizard times. He's happy. Uh, so he's so yeah. So he's a dwarven bard, which is which is way off kilter. You don't get any bonuses in terms of charisma. Um, he's still a dwarf. Yeah, uh, but brilliant. That's a great sort of person to bring up as. Do you know what? You don't have to do exactly the things that mechanically the game says. Mm. Do whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah. Up to you guys. Go for it. It's like being an ogre archer type of thing. Brilliant. Yeah. Or an ogre sneak thief. I mean, you're going to have real thing. issues there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I try to go through the door. You break the door. But brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for effort. So that's one. That's a good uh, classic sort of dwarven character who we see that appears uh, doing those kind of things in popular culture. Mm. Uh, we've obviously got Gimli. Gimli's another one. Um, here's one for you. All right. R2D2. Oh shit, I haven't even thought of this. I only thought of it two seconds ago, but RTD2. He knows everything, but he's three foot tall and walks really awkwardly. And he has a real problem with violence. He's always tasering people. He's tasering people. Also, he literally sets like 60 dudes on fire. On fire in the second one, yeah. Which is which is terrible. Mad shit. But they're robots, so it's... I mean... fuck. Is it fine that AI? I don't know, man. Elon Musk is super sketchy on that. We're going to get real deep in a minute. We're going to fight with uh, doing thinking out loud. <laughs> yeah, I know. I would say he is probably... He's probably more of a tinker gnome. Yeah. That yeah. makes... Because yeah, he has yeah. the gadgets and shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can get through this door. Bloop, done. A, a dwarf would run through that fucking door. Yeah. I can get through this door. Do -do 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 -do. Boosh! Um, so there's, there's another one. One that I love, which is um, a great example of the whole Dwarven Ranger slash Rogue kind of vibe. Mm. Uh, have you ever played the Dragon Age series? No, I know someone that did though. Mm -hmm. So, so any of our listeners who have played uh, Varric, uh, I don't know his second name. Yes, I know that name. But Varric, he is a brilliant Dwarven Ranger. 
Uh, as a character, he's amazing. I mean, he's classed as a rogue in that game, but because they only have three classes, they have literally warrior, mage, rogue, so mm. whatever, choose what you want to do. But he's, he's categorically a ranger. Uh, he writes stories about all the things that he encounters. So he's also a bard. To a degree, yep, definitely. He's got a little bit, so multi-classing we're seeing here. Mm. Um, he has a crossbow, which isn't a crossbow, it's an expo. Right. Uh, which is, uh, I'm, I'm doing, guys who can't see me, everybody listening to the podcast, um, I'm doing a motion where I put my arms crossed between each other as in terms of an X point of view, which is basically a crossbow. Right. In in all in all points. So right? it fires in all directions. Not necessarily. It's just a cool ass crossbow. Huh. I don't know how it works, but he calls it Bianca. Yeah, which right. is fine. Brilliant. Take your inspiration from that if you want. Guys, do whatever the fuck you want. You want to play Varric? Play Varric. Play a player. Yeah. He's a he's as good a representation of that kind of class in that kind yeah. of race that you're going to find. Exactly. Uh, he's a great uh, dwarven ranger from Dragon Age. Um, that's quite slightly sideways on because I know that you haven't really explored this within your lifetime uh, more that I have, uh, which is. And I'm gonna. I might do this very badly, but uh, go trek, Gurnison. Right. Right. I'm gonna try that again. Go trek, Gurnison. Who or what is that? Uh, he is a. I'm sorry. He. That's cool. He is a dwarf from the Warhammer world. Right. Okay. And he is a slayer. Ooh. Uh, and typically slayers kind of as a, as a whole side thing are dwarves who don't wear any armor and they have giant orange mohawks and as a red-headed man which I am guys uh, I can very much get behind that they have giant redhead mohawks and they're all about the uh, let's get stuck in yeah think later let's get stuck in yeah. and they are categorically uh, dwarven barbarians no right. armor See you in a minute. Yeah. I'm going to smash through this door. Hold my beer. Hold my beer. And I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to do real bad things right now. And then I'll see you later. (laughs) Kind of thing. I like these guys. Yeah. I like these guys a lot. I mean, they're they're a really good race to kind of play if you want to go for that rambunctious, brilliant... uh, Just a bit chaotic. How easy are those kind of guys to guide as a dungeon master without infringing on the freedom of... Imagination. Sure. Do you know what? I love them. I, any character who is slightly chaotic, slightly chaotic, uh, I'm really putting a, an ampersand yeah. around that sort of area, mm. uh, is really useful because they always make the story go forwards. As right. soon as you say there's a locked door, they go, I smash that door. Yeah. Right? If you've got any other characters around you who are, and you've got a specifically sort of very intelligent uh Apart from that kind of experience, very intelligent uh, group, they all sit there and study the door and make sure the door is okay and make sure that everything's cool. And they listen. Baby trapped. Yeah, they listen under the door and they and they, and you know they they pick the lock, which is cool. Great. As soon as you get through that door and like nothing's there. Yeah. Really, you guys have unlocked it. But if it's just a locked door, and you as a dungeon master have just kind of gone like, guys, it's just a locked door. Yeah. Because people lock their doors at night. Right. They've spent 20 minutes discussing how to get through this door. Yeah. And in the meantime, if you've got a dwarven character in there who is maybe a bit more brash, um, and once again, I'm not saying that this is specifically what you have to do as a dwarven character, but 
if this is your dwarven character, is the brash one who wants to smash through things and kind of drink all the ale. Oh, side note, uh, something that I really love from the Forgotten Realms, which is sort of the um, area where most of the dwarven kind of culture is mm -hmm. pulled from for Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, holy water they class as beer. Right. Yeah, okay. which is brilliant. So I'm just going to drop that. I'm going to come back to what I was saying. Okay. If you want a character who wants to smash through doors, yeah. a dwarf is a great sort of character who will do that. Hmm. Regardless of whatever class you're playing, they'll tend to be the one who goes, screw this, I'm going in. Smash, brilliant. Bing, bang, bong, bang, bong, bong, bong. Yeah. And you can just throw them at whatever problem it is. Yeah. As literally a dwarven camp cannon ball. Yeah. It's just something to move the story forward. Exactly. Which is great. That's really good. I know, I know. I'm, I, I like dwarves, and I think they're really fun. I, and a lot of they don't get enough representation. I have yet to see anybody in the groups that I've played play a dwarf. Hmm. Which is hey, that's interesting. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's a lot of races out there, so I'm not going to say that's a bad thing. Yeah. But cool. dwarves, I think, maybe a little bit underrated after hearing you eulogize. Yeah, exactly. From that point. So, like, with that in mind. Samuel, yeah, or Sam, mm -hmm. as you're known as. Well, riff me a dwarf. Riff you a dwarf. His name is Russell Tumble, but that was a name given to him by his father. He actually never really liked fighting. That was his brother, but his brother died in battle young, so he was perfectly preserved in his parents' memories. And Ruffy Tumble, who actually just liked books and magic and was producing conjuring leopards and shit under his bed at night when his parents were asleep. Okay, he's actually a magic dwarf. Okay, and so we're going he, like the, the, the druid. Yeah, there's kind of vibe. like a Harry Potter vibe going on. Yeah. His parents, his dad was just like, oh, stop fucking about with that magic, Rofty. Yeah. Here's an axe. And he would bewitch the axe to be like, you know, like a feathered horse or something. And then his parents are killed in a magical accident that he causes when he gets really angry over dinner or something. Nice. Now he wanders the world. Torn, living in the world of the wild, his people, yeah. but also with these fantastical skill sets. Yeah. Being able to burn things and heal things and... Oh, and he can talk to animals, because nice. why the fuck not? Yeah. But he's probably within that point, there's also a, a link back to his clan, right? Mm-hmm. But his clan's dead. So he's the only one of They're the clan. They're all dead. He's the only one of the clan okay. that's left, and he's the only one that doesn't represent anything the clan was about. The clan was about fighting and killing and hoarding, but he's about magic, and he's the only one left. Sure. Does he go his own path, forge a new clan, or does he betray himself for the good of the clan? Nice. That's a dwarven story arc. That is a good dwarven story arc. Here's, here's, as a DM, hearing that, what I would do to kind of just throw a little cog in the works. Right. You know that dwarf brother that died? Yeah. He ain't dead. So. Oh, shit. So that dwarf brother that died, he comes back. Yeah. Is, uh, he, is he really burnt and shit? No, he's not. But he is under the influence of, I would probably put him under the influence of kind of like a minor demon. Like maybe a succubus. Right, okay. So she's very much got her claws into him as a, you know, and, and because sex slave, not as a sex slave, as a, <laughs> that's where you, I know that's where you go immediately. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. succubus's things. I'll give you that. That's fine. See, but there's such a point where they, maybe, the pervert. they maybe have given up enough of their kind of like free will to this point hmm. to that. The brother now becomes an envoy to that side of things so maybe to the nine hells to that darkness 
and is trying to basically mm. maybe even make the, that dwarven clan. But that's the arc when it comes yeah. down to it, and he's his brothers trying to get the demons to come through the gate. Our kid, Rufty Tumble, in the one moment where his magical knowledge would be useful, he realizes oh, I've got to take this fucking guy's head off. Yeah. I've got to kill this guy to stop the demons coming through, and he has to revert back to his old ways and take this dude down. Old, old school. school style. Sure. No magic. Tumble style. Dwarf to dwarf. Yeah. Bam. Broken bottle. Brilliant. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Wicked. I, I mean, I love there that. There we go. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is uh, starter set. That is our episode on dwarves. If you enjoyed the show, uh, get write us some comments. Yeah. Leave us a review. We'll, we'll read the five-star reviews out. Leave us questions in those. We'll answer all that stuff as well. Do you know what? Even if you didn't enjoy it, leave us a one-star review. We're I will definitely read to. those. Exactly. We're always looking to improve, to make things better. Um, if you don't like the hip-hop... I mean, kind of that's our USP, so we'll probably stick with that. But hey, do you know what? Just say it anyway. It's the myth of democracy. Exactly. This has been Starter Set Episode 2. I've been Sam. I've been Ed. Thank you very much for listening. Bye.